Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Telling Everybody everything it is saturday the 24th of february it's the middle of the day we've already had a super busy morning i was lucky enough to be invited on claudia winkleman's bbc radio show live announcing my brand new tour hooray (laughs) i'm going on tour (laughs) no i'm really excited to go on tour i just uh i feel like i definitely need to take some lessons from last tour and not repeat them so first of all my brand new show is called battle axe and tickets go on sale friday march 1st it's a uk and european tour with some dates in america and canada yet to be available but you can get your uk tickets there's a pre-sale list i think if you search my name on live nation or I guess the Live Nation people will have me put a link up on my Instagram bio Friday. I assume that's what's going to happen. And hopefully if you already like me and you listen to my podcast, then all the little marketing algorithms are just going to show you my tour. So just don't even do anything. Just like wait, just like live your life. And then randomly when you're scrolling or just doing the school run, well, bam, there's my poster. It's going to be in your face. And it's going to be telling you about Battle Axe and when I am coming to a city or town near you. The tour doesn't start until September, but it's very important to buy tickets soon if you want to come because some venues sell out and then also then Live Nation can sort of forecast if we need to add extra dates in certain cities where it's really busy or don't buy tickets. Do you know what I mean? We're in an economic crisis. You don't have to come. You could just listen to my podcast for free. I don't care what you do. I just want you to be happy, friend. And I mean that. Battle axe is a word that you don't use a lot here in the UK, but it's sort of a derogatory term used to describe older opinionated women like me in America. I think a battle axe is an actual weapon as well. And I am a weapon. Wait a minute. That's why my tour is called Battle Axe. Catherine Ryan, absolute weapon. 
that was taken. So I decided to call him Adelax. It was actually my good friend, collaborator, and producer of this podcast, Andrew Johnston. Check out his comedy if you haven't seen it already. My mom talks about him all the time on her podcast. He is the son she never had. He stays with her sometimes in Toronto, but he is LA-based. He and I started at the same time. He's really, really funny. He's got so much content of his own. Just go on my Instagram and look for the name Andrew Johnston. And you'll find, you know, he puts a lot of stand-up reels that I don't and should be doing. And he's always topical, always funny. If you are in the Los Angeles area, he likes to stay local to Los Angeles, I suppose, because of the TV work, the TV writing work. But if you're in that area, he's always doing shows. He's got a residency, I think, called Two in the Pink. I know this just from my mom's podcast. Here's what I learned from my last tour, which is available on Sky and Now and Veeps in America as a special called Catherine Ryan Misses. That whole special was about the change of life that happened when I went from wanting to be single and being fine without a man to bumping into Bobby, marrying him and getting fat, basically, which is fine if you want to be fat. But I am very comfortable in saying I don't want to be fat. Do I think certain people look great fat? Yes, I do. I think certain people look great with bangs, fringe, but I put a reminder in my phone once a year to say, hey, Catherine, if you saw someone beautiful with a fringe today, just remember that it can't be you. Don't get a fringe. You're ugly with a fringe. Similarly, I'm an ugly fat person because it is unevenly distributed. It doesn't suit me and it's not like what the universe intended my body to be. I have loads of friends who are plus size. Well, that's not true. I don't have loads of friends. I have loads of people that I know and follow on Instagram and collaborate with and work with sometimes who are bigger. And they look great. And they would probably look weird if they were skinny. And now that I've lost loads of weight after my pregnancy, I look a little bit weird. Will I be getting a facelift and or neck lift? Soon, I hope. Yes. There's no shame in my game. I'll tell you all about it when it happens. But... First, we need to put to bed this argument, will we, not this argument, this debate, will we or won't we have another baby? And in our program, which uh, the finale of Parental Guidance is Monday at 9 p.m. on W Network, or you can watch and stream all the episodes on UK TV Play, there is a narrative and a little theme in there about Bobby, will we or won't we have another baby? And Bobby's very team no, which is crazy by the way, when a man is like, no, it's like, (laughs) okay, like the mom in many cases has to do a lot of the work. And in our case, I earn money too. And I'm like going to pay for a nanny and pay for all these things. anyway. So I don't really understand. Bobby has such gorgeous kids. But in fairness to Bobby, he is super, super, super hands on. He loses sleep too. He loses time with me. He has to go through you know, the stress of the baby phase, which we are just on our way out of now. Both kids are so wonderful now. (laughs) It goes so fast. The days are long, the years are short. But in reality, I'm not the one championing like, yes, let's do it. In the series, we both had to pick an extreme position because that's more interesting and dynamic. But in reality, both of us go back and forth on this every single day. Uh, Right now, I'm thinking, no, no, I am 41 in June. I am fucking knackered. I'm very blessed to have the healthy, wonderful children that I have today. I mean, healthy. I use the term in the grander sense of healthy, but Fred has another ear infection. And we might have to look to get his tonsils out. Before you start messaging me, Catherine, it's a very vintage practice to remove tonsils. They serve an immune purpose. I know this, and I won't take them out unless I absolutely have to, but it's like he's got like massive 
I mean, ripe organic tomatoes in his throat all the time. It's so crazy. I mean, he is his mother's son. I had big tonsils too. I go down so many paths. It is incredible that I don't have ADHD. I just don't. I don't have it. But some people write to me sometimes and I'm like, you're autistic as hell, Catherine. And I'm not. And I don't have ADHD. But what I meant to tell you about was going on tour. That starts in the autumn. The tickets are for sale Friday, March 1st. But here's what I learned from the last tour. We brought Fred along on the last tour a lot. And that is so that I could see him, breastfeed him, help out at night. He wasn't sleeping through the night. Fred was a very high maintenance baby. And now I feel like that was a massive mistake. And I look at the differences between dads and moms and even male comedians who don't have kids. Uh, They have wives or, or they have older kids at home. It's kind of common practice that some of them, you wouldn't believe this, some of them stay in a hotel every single night. Every night, even if it's not far from home, just because like, oh, the uh, energy that I get on stage is so amazing and I need to come down off that energy for several hours and I can't get to bed and then I have to like sleep in or have my own breakfast in silence. Like who the fuck would ever (laughs) fall in love with or marry a comedian on purpose? Like poor Bobby, but I'm not that way. But I'm sure I have other comedian quirks that are difficult to live with. I have my family on tour with me or else Annie, my tour manager, and I drive straight home from like Leeds, from Newcastle, from Manchester, wherever we are, we are experiencing the highway closures that happen every single night and we're trying to get home. And then I come into bed about 1 a.m., 3 a.m., depends on where I've been, and I look after my babies until they wake up. Or actually, I had a corporate the other day where I got in at 3 and I just slept by myself until 7 a.m. and Bobby stayed with the kids. So I mean, like, we can hand it off now and then, but not when you're breastfeeding. So this tour, what I'm definitely going to do is not get pregnant, not yet anyway, and I'm going to do the tour, and I'm going to go by myself. The family are not invited on this tour. That was bullshit, and I feel like I'm still unpacking some of the PTSD of, like, okay, Everyone's on a flight to Oslo. Okay, now we're flying with Fred from Oslo to fucking like Madagascar or something. Where were we? Montenegro, which is not a flight anyone else is doing, by the way. It just seemed like a really like weird packing, different climates, a weird route. And then back up to Norway. And then we were in Finland. And then we're in different parts of Europe. And it's just like... Ah, we had Fred in hotels in Leeds. We had to stay in really nice hotels. We had, like, we needed a bath, for example, because Fred was really specific. We couldn't shower him. Uh, Then I'm going to dinner with the whole family. I'm feeding Fred. I'm trying to help Bobby, like, get the nighttime routine ready. Then Bobby's doing the last bit of it, putting Fred down. And I'm getting in the car, rushing with Annie to the theater. I'm finishing my makeup in the theater. I come in. Before I can even unzip my dress, Fred's crying. Bobby and I are hand. Like, it's... It's absolutely crazy to be handed a screaming infant essentially as soon as you come off stage. And then I have to hear a lot of the dads be like, well, I just need time to unwind. Like, I don't have my dress off, lads. And then I'm breastfeeding. I'm dealing with Fred. I put him down. He's up maybe five or six times in the night. And then he's up for good at six. And Bobby and I are like exploring Aberdeen. You know, it's crazy. And we had Violet with us some of the time. We didn't have her with us if she had to, you know, fulfill her school obligations. But we'd be rushing straight back. Like a car crashed into our gate 
while we were in Harrogate. We came home to like an actual vehicle hanging out of our front gate. Deal with that mess. Repack the bag of gig water. Like it was crazy to do that. All this is going on behind the scenes. And I'm trying to put on a show for people who deserve an escape. They deserve to laugh and kick back. And I just hope that they couldn't feel any of my like busy new mom energy during that tour. And then for the end of that tour, I was pregnant with Fena. And now here Fena is. I haven't been on tour for her entire life. I've been doing jobs, obviously, filming in corporates. But this tour, Fena's going to be two. Fena's going to be two. And Fred, oh no, Fena's going to be almost two. And Fred's going to be three. Just gone three. And neither one of them are invited. Bye. Goodbye. I'm going on tour. I will still come back and forth. But like, I'm too old to do it any other way. And I feel like on my days off, I spend enough time with my children that I can do that. And I think Bobby would prefer it if I did that. So, I mean, I don't know if you wanted to hear all that much mundane shit about my life, but I'm so excited. I'm going to do the tour the grown-up way. And I think that it's going to make me a lot funnier. I really do. So if you want to come see me with my brand new show, not pregnant, not having just had a newborn, not breastfed. I have the small, I am bringing the smallest, perkiest titties to a town near you. Will they be hot with milk? No. No. I'm going to be thin. I'm going to be bobbing it up with my brand new haircut. I'm going to have an incredible outfit ready for you and lots of exciting new stories. So please come see me on tour. The other thing that I have to promote, I feel like this isn't an ad. It's just interesting stuff, really. Rosie Jones, one of my very favorite comedians, and Judy Love, also, miraculously, one of my very favorite comedians. And I'm not just saying that because we're doing a show together. Judy and I are team captains, Out of Order, hosted by Rosie Jones, comes to Comedy Central, 9 p.m. on Mondays. Wait a minute, Catherine, is 9 p.m. on Mondays also the time that Parental Guidance is on W Network? Yes, but that finishes Monday and Out of Order starts. So you never have to spend a Monday without me assuming that you have cable TV or satellite TV or you subscribe to Now TV and UK TV Play, which is free actually. I was mindlessly scrolling through my socials and I saw an Instagram clip come up of a comedian that is really, really funny and talented. She has a special coming out on YouTube. She's called Rosebud Baker and she was talking about filming her special Pregnant. And then she films the second half of her special a year after having the baby. And she was being interviewed. I think she was on the podcast of some man. I don't know him and that's not, I'm not digging at him. I don't know really many Americans whatsoever. He's an American man. And he's like, oh, I'm glad you said that second part. You filmed half the special a year after you had your baby. Because I'm so sick of the trend now of all these female comics have to film a special pregnant and my blood ran cold when I heard him say that. And luckily, Rosebud leapt in with like a very friendly and playful correction. She was like, maybe, dude, like women just want to work and sometimes we're pregnant. And for a long time, there was a stigma against showing your face in public that way. Women get asked a lot of the same questions. Minorities get asked a lot of the same questions all the time, I'm sure. And they have to toe this line of correcting someone but not losing the vibe, not becoming angry or combative, argumentative, not making the podcast get to a place where you're like, well, actually, nee, 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 nee. And she did that with grace. And I'm sure that they're friends in real life. And she wasn't offended. 
this is why it's really good to have different perspectives coming together and be able to say things that might be slightly inflammatory to a certain group without being completely shut down or without being canceled. Because as a comedian, as a woman, as a comedian who has been pregnant in public and I've worked very visibly pregnant, my knee-jerk reaction was, how dare he? But then as he continued, he made some pretty good points and he was funny about it. He's like, oh, no one's ever six months pregnant in the special. It always has to be nine months pregnant. Look at me in the special. And Ali Wong, of course, had her runaway hit special, Baby Cobra. I forget what it was called. Yes. And then you did see other female comedians after that very pregnant in their specials. I can see how to a man looking in from the outside, especially a man who I don't know if he has a special, but I imagine that he is a little bit less successful than some of these women. He's watching the special. Don't try to deny it. He's like, oh, that should be me. Oh, if I could have an accessory like a pregnant belly, which I mean, he had, by the way. But if I could have a hook or something to draw people in, then I'd be on Netflix, too. And maybe he does have a special. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Again, I thought he was really funny in the clip. There are other reasons for that. I mean, it is a great time to film something. Just get it in the bag at the end of your pregnancy because it is hard enough gigging, especially if you're feeling sick and if you have like pelvic pain and you know who knows what's going on in your pregnancy, you are sometimes medically very compromised. <laughs> Touring around, getting that material ready with all the added tiredness and everything else, whatever, that's tough enough. But then at least when you film it, you get it in the bag. You're like, oh, I've achieved something. I've nested this special for my baby and now I can take some time off and have a proper maternity leave, which don't forget, creatives and freelance people don't really get. But also, seeing very successful female comedians, apart from, you know, a select few back in the day, is a new thing. There are so many different female voices now. And so because it's new, the women who've been around for the last 15, 20 years getting good at comedy, good enough to have a special, are of the age where they also have to have a baby if they want to biologically reproduce. And that's what's happening. It's like, oh, well, TikTok, here we go. I've been working at comedy, which does not lend itself to a newborn until you're at a level of success. It's like, it's crazy because you don't really reach financial independence and true success uh, in your industry as a comedian until you're in your 30s and 40s. And that's only if you're lucky. And that's also the time that you're probably ready to have a baby. And I don't think that this is exclusive to performing arts or stand-up, I think in every industry. But women are the ones who also have to decide about family at that time. And so they're either coming to work pregnant or they're losing jobs because they're staying at home pregnant. So they're like, what do you want us to do? But it was a really interesting conversation. And I was proud of myself that I was able to watch it and be like, what? And then be like, huh, she answered that well. Huh. He sort of has a point about it though, doesn't he? Okay. And then I was fine again. Do you want to know what's going on in the world? There's obviously a terrible war, and we won't talk about that. But let me distract you with the news that Billie Eilish has earned the ire of the internet this week after a clip of her on a hot mic dishing to fellow pop deity Kylie Minogue at the People's Choice Awards went viral. She was seemingly shading TikTokers in attendance, snarkily noting that 
there's some like TikTokers here. The implication being that they're unwashed micro-celebrity trash that has no business hobbing knobs with the likes of herself and Minogue. TikToker Bryce Hall clapped back on behalf of the TikTok contingent saying, I was one of them, i.e. TikTokers in attendance at the People's Choice Awards. First off, Billie Eilish, I am so sorry that I didn't acknowledge your greatness and bow down to you being another human being. And second, People's Choice invited us personally. Everyone that attended People's Choice were sitting at those tables. We were invited by People's Choice, so hate on them. This comes on the heels of Time Magazine naming American YouTuber Mr. Beast as the most watched person on the planet. And he's far from a household name. I mean, I've literally never heard of him. So TikTok, whether you like it or not, is a real thing. It makes millions and billions. People's choice is about what people are watching, what people want. And the music industry has to adapt, just like the film and television industry has to adapt. I feel like these creators are as deserving of a place at these stupid events as anyone else, which is 0%. Like, who needs to be there to see Billie Eilish dressed like a fucking Yoko Ono Avril Lavigne cross? What's go? I mean, I understand that a young woman is navigating, you know, her image, whatever else, but these very famous people just seem so precious. Billie Eilish came out looking like, I mean, and Violet really loved her, and I think she's a very talented artist, but she did all the neon like, I'm the, it reminded me so much of Avril Lavigne when I was young. I was like, I'm definitely a pop princess, but I'm packaged as the antithesis of a pop princess. And we watch her videos now because Fred likes them. And he was dancing the other night to that, hey, you, I don't like your girlfriend. Not a feminist anthem. Not a feminist anthem. Think you need a new one. All about how Avril Lavigne is going to treat this dude better than his current girlfriend. And in the video, they like bully and assault her at a mini golf course, a crazy golf, whatever you call it in the UK. It was absolutely crazy. And it's not like the girlfriend's bad person. It's just like, I'm going to steal like, all right, original pussycat dolls. But anyway, her style went from like neon toxic waste rebellion against pop and fashion. And like, this is how I dress. I make myself look as unattractive as I can because I don't care about that shit. To then she had a period of being very glam and people were like, ooh, this is Billie Eilish. Well, she looks great. And now she's back to dressing like kind of like Simon Anstell. I mean, it's very difficult to explain her look. I don't like it. But perhaps her message is that she is not for my consumption and who cares if I like it or not. And that is fair enough. I just feel like there's such a lack of authenticity when you ping pong between all these like very so ugly that they have to be curated vibes. But True Detective Night Country uses her music for their theme song. And that has been my favorite show as of late. And I think she's a very talented young woman. So whatever, essentially dress how you want. But I think we are wrong to put any snobbery on these micro celebrities. I have had the pleasure of being sat next to many of them at award shows. What they do is very specific. I doubt very much that Billie Eilish could write and record and produce and play all the instruments and release and market all of her own material herself. And that's what these content creators do. Yes, it's easier to make a TikTok than it is to record an album. But I mean, that's the whole point. And it's just as entertaining and people consume it the same. 
and big companies who put millions and millions of pounds of investment into entertainment are fucking panicking because they're like, oh no, a 12-year-old boy got more views for just like making a little comedy video with his phone and no training and no financial backing. She's actually, Billie Eilish, a little bit of a Nepo baby. Her mother is a very talented comedian, comedy actress. I do forget her name, but I know she's been in a lot of things. And she trained at Groundlings, which is a really famous sketch uh, improv comedy place. And she's really, really talented. And her dad's an actor, too. American presidential daughter Malia Obama recently premiered her first directorial effort and a new stage name at the Sundance Film Festival. Adopting the nom de plume Malia Ann, she's joining the ranks of other Gen Alpha Nepo babies like Suri Cruz, now Suri Noel, who are seeking some distance from their famous lineage. Well, first of all, nice try, Suri Noel. <laughs> no one was called Suri when Suri Cruz was born. And I think that when you're that level of fame, when you are like escapee Scientology super princess, you can change your name to anything you want, John Smith, and people will still be like, that's Suri Cruz. Somebody somewhere is going to be tapping you on the shoulder going, that's Barack Obama's daughter's film. And I know that everybody wants independence. They want to go, I did this on my own because we live in this generation that really shames entitlement and privilege and you're supposed to be like an underdog. And it's like, it's just a pendulum effect of like, okay, nepotism, led the way for so long and you would get things because your parents had things. That's just the way that the world works. And now we're going, oh, there's a lot to be said for like hearing different voices, for evening the playing ball, the playing field a little bit. Sorry, I'm not a sports person. Um, you know, hearing from people who might not have had the same head start and let's be the best by considering all the best, no matter what walk of life they come from. And there was that huge documentary about celebrities paying to get their kids in a side door of Ivy League universities, and that's not allowed. Everyone's meant to get there on merit, da-da-da-da. I mean, that's not the way the world works. The reality is, if you're an Apple baby, you will have a head start. And I think there's this outcry from the Nepo babies. They're like, no, we did it. We want to be known for doing it on our own. And it's like, well, be realistic. Like, you're never going to do anything all on your own. Like, you will always, no matter what you call yourself, be Obama's child. And so just be honest about it. Be like, yeah, I am Molly Obama. Couldn't help that. Didn't ask for it. Uh, my life has been very charmed in very many ways. I can basically do whatever I want, pay for whatever I want, get into any school I want, fly anywhere I want. If like there's some terrible crash and I need to be airlifted by ambulance to the best hospital on the planet and given the best treatment, that's going to happen for me. I've grown up having the finest nutrients and 24-hour security. Like I am in a different starting position than the rest of you because you can't change all that other stuff. You can't take away the education that you have. You can't take away all the wonderful healthy food that you had all your life or the 24-hour care that your maternity nurses and night nannies or your mother who could afford to stay home with you because I know Michelle Obama talked about a time when she was really hands-on with the kids because Barack was working and whatever. Like all of us cannot escape our privilege, which our parents probably busted their asses, by the way, to give us. Like how's Obama feel being like, oh, well, I'm Barack Obama and I thought that was really good. Oh, my wife is like a best-selling author and like a fucking doctor, I think, and like goes around giving speech. Like we 
found each other and we were the best and we came together and we had these beautiful children. We loved them so much and we poured everything we could into them to give them the best start. And now they're like, ooh, I don't want that last name even associated with me because people might not think I did it all on my own. You didn't. You didn't. And you might be a wonderful, talented young woman. But, you know, just prove that every day by being kind and being generous and looking out for people who are less privileged than you and seeing how you can give them a hand up. Have like a program at your business that addresses ableism and ageism and um, racism and have different mentorship programs like you can afford to do that at whatever you're doing on your film on your film set how many disabled people worked on it how many people from impoverished backgrounds worked on it like you at Sundance Film Festival will have had a say in all of that and be like I can't escape who I am nor would I want to but every single day I'm going to prove the intention of who I want to be and I want to be inclusive and I don't want to have my head in the sand about how different every day of my life has been compared to someone else. And that's how I'm going to achieve things on my own. And that's how I'm going to stand out in my own right. And that's how I'm going to take what my parents built from me and build upon that. That's the only way to do it. I gave Violet my last name because I hadn't desecrated it yet. I was just working in an office and doing a little bit of comedy. I gave Violet my last name uh, because it was just me and a shit airline. And then with Fred and Fenna, well, Fred Kutstra, we named Fred Kutstra because that is the name of Bobby's dearly departed father. We didn't really have a choice in that. He was a good guy. A lot of people just take their dad's name, even if he wasn't a good guy. They're like, John Smith, and that's the way it's going to be. My father deserted us. My mother was alone, young, impoverished, with three small kids. We never heard from him again, and he was, by all accounts, a complete asshole. But John Smith's name will live on. Like, that is how deep the patriarchy runs. <laughs> Um, but we wanted to name Fred, Fred Kutstra, for that reason. And Bobby had sisters who did not keep the Kutstra name, and that's because I couldn't get to them yet. I don't know if they had a conversation with their husbands of like, will we keep our name? Will we take yours? Or I think in most relationships, especially where I come from, the default is taking your husband's name no matter what name that may be. There are people who could be married to like Brian Shitface and they'll take it. Yes, just because like that is what's done. Um, So Fred and Fenna don't have my last name. Fenna, we actually considered giving my last name because we were like, oh, okay, Violet's already Violet Ryan. So in this family, uh, and this is problematic in its own way because it's gendered, but we were like, the boys can be Kutstras and the girls will be Ryans. But by that point, the Ryan name had really taken a fucking beating in the Daily Mail. And I just thought, well, Fred's already Fred Kutstra. Fenna is so close to his age. Fenna is a Dutch name anyway. Kutstra is a Dutch name or Koutstra, however you want to say it. So we were like, Fred Fenna, Kutstra, fine, whatever. And I don't care. And maybe I have internalized misogyny. A lot of people have pointed that out. Do as I say, not as I do. I actually saw some clips of Paris Hilton talking about her last name just the other day because she is married to some guy called Carter Ryom. I don't even know how to say his last name. It's like starts with an R, ends with an M, and it's four letters. Reem? Room? And she was chatting to her sister Nikki in her show, which I think is called Paris in Love. I should really have like physics in my mind or like world history, something important, but instead I just know all of this shit. 
And Nikki Hilton was like, oh, are you going to be taking his name? And Paris was like, I don't know, not yet. I don't want to yet because my name is Paris Hilton and you don't even have that last name anymore, Nikki. You're just Nikki Rothschild, which is a pretty powerful last name as well. But Nikki's no longer a Hilton. And for Paris, she was like, I like being Paris Hilton. And I could see why. Like, that's her name. That's her brand. Paris Hilton has really leaned into being an Apo baby. She's not out here being like, I'm going to sell all my perfumes under the nom de plume, like Jane Marhausen. She's like, I'm Paris fucking Hilton. And then Nikki at the end was like, you just don't like his last name, do you? And Paris laughed. And I don't like it either. I don't know how to say it. I'm sorry, Paris Hilton's husband. Former Paris Hilton employee Kim Kardashian is getting a well-earned side-eye for selling a very obviously used Hermes gray matte alligator Birkin bag on the family resale site Kardashian Closets. <laughs> this family, like the hustle never stops. They are billionaires, billionaires. And I could be getting ahead of myself because maybe the profits from Kardashian closet go to charity. I don't know. But even if it's going to charity, what's happening with a business is money that they donate to charity is being taken off their taxes at the end of the year. So you know when you go into a grocery store and they're like, oh, would you like to donate a pound to charity? My mother always used to say to them, like, can I have a tax receipt? And they'd be like, what? My mom would be like, well, can I have a tax receipt? No, because if I make a charitable donation here at the till, that will be this company writing off that charitable donation against their own taxes. Where if I make charitable donations at home, I wrote those charitable donations off against my own taxes. I mean, my mom, you know, this kind of lady, I think it's important, but Violet would call her a Karen today. But it makes sense. It's like, why am I contributing to your tax write-off, huge company of the shop, instead of just choosing charities on my own and donating from home? But anyway... The, uh, the Birkin bag is on this family resale site, Kardashian Closet, for 70000 US dollars, and it's listed in good condition. The handles and corners were visibly brown, and it's left fans scratching their heads over why the billionaires would bother offloading things that should otherwise go to a thrift store. A lot of people resell Hermes bags for loads of money, and I didn't actually realize the hoity-toitiness of the brand. To get a Hermes bag actually doesn't cost like 60, 70 grand. Maybe it does when it's crocodile. But uh, I think they're like nine grand, six grand. But you have to be invited to buy one. I learned this on TikTok, Billie Eilish. So you have to spend a certain amount of money in the Hermes store to then be liked by the sales associate who then will maybe make you what's called a leather appointment. And then she'll be like, well, what are you looking for in this leather appointment? And you're like... Uh, a Kelly Pouchette medium, like you have to know the name and then she'll be like, hmm, no, 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 but I can offer you this and like you just take it or leave it and then you never get asked back again. It's like an honor to be bestowed with the uh, opportunity to pay thousands of pounds for one and then you get it and those people who aren't spending loads of money in Hermes on other things and getting invited to these leather appointments, they're the ones who buy them on the resale market for like 40 grand whatever, whatever. But I'm looking at Kardashian closet now. Like it is really amazing. But this is what a business would do. Like any business, I think we attribute the Kardashian empire to like faces of women. First of all, people have a huge problem with women earning money, whether they know it or not. They just, it bothers them. But if you take their faces away, every business will have like a liquidation system in play. That's why stores like 
TK Maxx exist. That's why Costco exists. It's like, okay, well, we can't use or profit from the stuff in our immediate stock. We're going to liquidate it or sell it on through these other ways and just keep money in the business. And this is, I mean, call them greedy if you like, but this is how rich people and rich businesses stay rich. And to be honest with you, if I was organized enough, I might do this. I don't think I would take the time to do it for myself. And let's be honest, they're not doing this for themselves either. But this would be a nice little side hustle, even for Violet. All right, so they've got some Levi's vintage jeans on here for 13000 Jesus, I mean, what size are these? This is the tee that I want. What's uh, They're very 90s, and they've got these. Actually, these look like jeans that Courtney might wear now. They've got, like, crosses on them, like religious crosses. Ooh, 25-inch waist, a U.S. size zero to fit Kim's body. Well, this was pre-ass. Otherwise, these jeans would have a lot of wear and tear in the buttocks, which I do not see. A rare Chanel AirPods case for three grand. What the hell is that? I mean, it's cute. Extremely rare limited edition black acrylic mini AirPods case with gold tone metal and crystal Coco Chanel logo applique. Why do you need an AirPod? Oh, it's cute. I mean, it's stupid. It's definitely like people have way too much money when they're buying a Chanel AirPods case, but maybe she got it as a gift. A really cute chrome hearts bag. And then everything else on here is largely sold out. Oh, no, you can get a vintage Gucci sweater for two grand. Uh, cargo pants. Rick Owens set for $650. Another Rick Owens dress. U.S. size six. Oh, hell to the hell to the no. Who in that family is a U.S. size six? Absolute heifer of a human being. This must have been in the late stages of a pregnancy when someone should have been filming a special. There's a lot of US 10, US 6 stuff on here. What is this? I will not accept that any Kardashian has ever been this size. Whose is it? It doesn't even say. A large. Woo! I don't know, guys, if any of this stuff ever belonged to any. Oh, yes, because you can buy under each Kardashian. You can click on their name and Chris. Welcome to the luxurious closet of the famous celebrity momager, Kris Jenner. You can now shop her closet exclusively here and become the owner of an original one-of-a-kind designer piece. You know what, guys? This is kind of nice. If you are a Kardashian fan, there's a range of prices on here, a bunch of different stuff. You can get a woolly hat from Sorel. It's new with tags for under $100. I mean, how much does it really belong to Kris if it's new with tags? Just like... Unwanted and discarded gifts from brands and designers. Okay, so I just found some more stuff. The site is run by Cece, which is, if you watch the show, you'll know that's the cousin. And they say that the money from the store or the concession online store, whatever you want to call it, uh, goes to the family's foundation, which supports a number of causes, including education, medical research, and women's empowerment. Very vague. The foundation has donated millions of dollars to various causes, and the family has said that they plan to continue to support the foundation with the proceeds from the store. So like I told you, businesses have a charity. It doesn't mean that the money isn't going to charity. It is going to charity, but it is in the financial interest of a business to have a foundation if the business is big enough. You get me? If my financial advisors are listening, when can I have a foundation? I really want to support women's empowerment which is my personal naps. 
please feel free to have a little rest yourself uh, as you listen to the important messages from our sponsors this week. When we return, I will get to your letters, your dilemmas, your comments, and your questions. Be right back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oh, no, no, no. Why do you do this to me? A spicy secret about who fathered my baby. Should I come clean? In the true spirit of telling everybody everything, I want to pose this question to you. Catherine, shall I tell everybody everything? My moral quandary is this. Like you, I have a teen daughter who's completely delightful. She's 13 and I'm in my late 20s. You can do the math. She was conceived when I was 14 on a family holiday. As a naive and wildly unafraid teen who assumed male attention was to be reciprocated with much appreciation and willingness to please. Oh no! I was pursued on this holiday one evening by a male waiter who horrifyingly, on reflection, must have been around the same age as I am now. So a pedo on holiday sexually assaulted you. And I don't know how, you know, you're kind of joking about it, but I feel like that will take some unpacking and some acknowledgement and some therapy. And I'm so sorry that that happened to you. I mean, of course, we're both glad that you have your lovely daughter, but I mean, I don't like to use the four-letter word for sexual assault because people find it really triggering, but like that is what happened to you on that holiday. I'm sorry to be the one to like break the news. God damn. After his brief flirtation, I returned to our table from the bathroom and he asked if I would meet him after he finished work. What an opportunity for a holiday romance, thought I. Alas, I decided to sneak out of our hotel and walk to meet him. As they say, the rest is history. No, the rest needs to be in a sealed deposition, babe. Seven months later, I found out I was pregnant. Seven months later, much to the dismay of my parents, who, whose love and unconditional support has never wavered. So here the conundrum lies. I told my parents at the time that the father of my child was a boy from school, and that has been upheld as the truth ever since. However, as I get older, I feel such shame and guilt I believe that this relationship, if we can call it that, was non-consensual, yes, and I was taken advantage of, yes. I don't want my daughter to be afflicted by this as she was most certainly a gift, a divine intervention for teenage me who was on a path of self-destruction. As it stands, I have a wonderful relationship with my parents and we spend a lot of time together. They're so kind and special to me and I feel that if they knew all of this, that could change. I certainly carry enough shame without having to burden them too. 
As for my daughter, how can this be framed in such a way as to not impact her? I don't want her to carry my trauma. What would you do, Catherine? I would love to know. I I totally appreciate where you're coming from is that you are carrying what I think that you are assigning the word shame to, but really what it is, is the burden of a secret of abuse against you. You know what I mean? And you're using the word shame. And I think a lot of survivors of sexual abuse talk about shame. Uh, but it's a very more complex feeling that maybe we don't have a word for properly. Do you know what I mean? But it's heavy and you've been carrying it for 13, 14 years. And what you don't want to do is offload it onto your parents or offload it onto your daughter because effectively your parents are going to feel guilt because they let you through, you know, they didn't let you, but they didn't know enough to stop you during that flirtatious interaction at the t- dinner table or stop you from sneaking out of your hotel room or noticing for seven months that you were pregnant. And then also your daughter is going to be like, well, what? Uh, so I'm the product of a sexual assault now and you've been lying to me all my life about who my dad is. But I, I think you definitely need therapy. That's number one. You definitely need like some post trauma therapy to talk all these feelings out really carefully and get yourself straight before you change the lives of other people because it will be a terrible blow for your parents but it's not your fault and it will be a terrible blow for your daughter but it's not your fault she will have to know her origin story one way or another I think everybody deserves to know where they came from but she's still a child and I think it's up to you to know like when is the right time to tell her this I don't think really 13 is the right time to be told any life-changing information. Uh, And she might be cross at any time. If you tell her when she's 20, she might be mad. If you tell her when she's 30 or 13, certainly she might have a really negative reaction and be mad at you. And she'll be like, you lied. Because she might not have the mental dexterity to really understand why you kept this information from everyone. I think the way that I would do it is to just sort myself out with therapy first. Just like heal yourself because your daughter wasn't abused and your parents weren't abused. Only you were abused. And so that's your story and that's your trauma. So I would deal with that. And then when I was fully ready, and that could be 10 years from now, it could be whenever, I would sit everyone down, maybe even with like a therapist or someone, like a neutral other party that I trusted. And I'd be like, I need to tell you guys something and I love you all so much, everyone in this room, and it's no one's fault and I don't want it to be anyone's burden and I'm prepared for whatever reaction you might want to have so I don't want you to feel any guilt or shame or like burden in that sense. Like I'm ready for all these reactions and by the way, you need to be ready for all these reactions in real life. And then you go, I need everyone to know that I was sexually assaulted as a teenager and maybe you don't even need to Uh, they might want details, but like you need to be free from this. And at some point you're going to tell them, but I think with a 13 year old, I wouldn't think it would be now go to therapy thirst first thirst. I'm so like traumatized by this myself. I'm so, so sorry this happened to you. And I'm so glad that you have your lovely daughter. But, um, if anyone has the right resource for this young, young mother, please reach out at telling everybody everything at gmail.com. 
Catherine, I made a career change and then I lost my new job. Catherine, I'll start by saying I don't know why I'm writing to you because maybe it's because you're a stranger and I feel that there will be no judgment. But basically, I'm lost in a world where I feel like I should have my shit together. Today, I lost my job after six months. It was a job I didn't enjoy all that well, but still, I've lost it and I feel embarrassed. Of course you do. I had a perfectly stable, well-paid, good company benefits job for 10 years previously, which I worked really hard at, but I felt I needed to change. So I did change, and then it went wrong. I now lay here at the young but old age of 35, feeling like I don't have a clue. I felt like this the moment I turned 35, only two months ago. Maybe longer, I don't know. Is this normal? How do you get over feeling alone and lost? To summarize, I have a brilliant group of friends and family, but I'm single, 35, and now jobless, so what a fucking catch. Help a girl out and reassure me it's normal to start over again and come out stronger. Well, you know, you just got fired today. And it's going to be like a breakup, where even if it's the right change, it's a shock and you feel like you failed in some way and you're not good enough and you've been rejected. And that is a really terrible feeling because you put yourself out there and you went, this is what I need to be doing. It's a chain. And then no. So you were like smacked down by the universe. But I really think that as much as, I mean, what is the old saying? Like, don't take offense to this. But there's some old like allegory about a displaced person who is home free. I don't know what the culturally appropriate word for like people who are currently between homes is. Um, but they were saying to a rich man, like, I have more money than you. And the rich man was like, the fuck you do. And the, the person was like, yes, I do, because I have nothing. And you have assets and like mortgages and you have debt and you have all this stuff and you're like chasing around all this debt that you have. And I'm just like free. I just have zero and you're below zero. So, I mean, that's not a perfect, perfect, exactly perfect what he said, because there's value in investing in assets. But uh, being zero is not a bad place. You're in the black, at least. You're not in the red. And being single is better than being with the wrong partner. And being jobless is better than being in the wrong job. And being child-free is better than feeling trapped and stuck because you have so many dependents that you know, you're like, oh, what am I going to do? It's like all of that stuff will come for you in the right time, in the right way that's meant for you. But you just have to make it through this storm and have a positive attitude and realize that like, holy shit, like you could go anywhere. You could do anything. You could live in absolutely any country. Like you are a free agent. And if you know your worth and you believe in that, then all of those things will be really useful to the right company and people and place. And that sounds maybe like bullshit coming from me, but it's so true. It really is. Like, I think zero is a great place to start. Catherine, I need your thoughts on financial infidelity. I'm 30. I have two brothers, 35 and 37. My oldest brother got engaged last year. We have recently found out his fiance has been secretly gambling away all of their money. Oh, no. She has spent all of their life savings and has completely deflected the blame. They have a house together. And put simply, my brother's financially fucked now. He put way more money into the house with his mortgage pretty much paid off, but he didn't get an agreement that he'd get his share back if they split. Any advice would gratefully be received. I mean, Joanne has looked into the UK family law here. Thank you, Joanne. 
and she says, Unlike Canada's straightforward rules on exclusive property, division of the home equity is done on a case-by-case basis in the UK. If she truly needed the house to continue to raise children, but they don't have children in this case, then she might be entitled to a substantial percentage, even if it was his equity before the marriage. It is illegal to hide assets, and there could even be penalties to her since she wasn't honest about her disclosure of how she handled their finances. But like, you haven't said that your brother wants to leave this woman. And I think what's really so tricky, I mean, I hope the listener from the last letter is listening still because, all right, you're starting at zero, but what you don't have is a wife who've just gambled away all your money. Um, Being in a marriage is tricky because it's a commitment and they put in the vows that really get you in sickness and health. And unfortunately, a gambling addiction counts as a sickness. And what do addicts do is they lie because they have to cover up what they've been doing and they have shame about it. So it's actually not even her lying. It's the addiction lying. Like she is absolutely addicted to gambling. And that's evidenced by the way it's hurt her life. Like nobody willingly gives away their life savings and puts their husband that they love in financial ruin like nobody wants to do that the deeper in she got she was like okay one more like gamble I don't really know different gambling things one more hand of blackjack and I'll win my husband's money back and I can make it all better and I've done this with love I've been like okay he's cheated on me and been an absolute asshole and is really aggressive and frightens me a lot actually but if I can you know, persuade him to treat me nicely then it will be as though I was never in a bad relationship and I'll prove everyone wrong And she's just doing that with the money, I think. I've done love gambling. I haven't done it with money. But, like, she could be doing this with heroin. She could be doing this with alcohol. But she's doing it with gambling. And so she needs immediate treatment. She needs to get into treatment, like, ASAP. And she needs to be taken off all financial things. And it's difficult when she's deflecting blame. But she needs to be honest with herself and be woken up and find remorse in the situation and and subject or what's the word like uh surrender herself to treatment and only when she's in active recovery can they maybe piece their life back together i i just don't think going after her legally is going to do anything you can't get blood from a stone like what does she have i feel like they could maybe file for bankruptcy i don't know a lot about bankruptcy and then they need to decide together whether they want to continue this very different marriage and rebuild their lives together or whether he thinks she's just too much of a risk. Oh, and I just found here there are solicitors who say, have you lost money to a gambling or betting operator who should not have let you place a bet in the first place? Here's everything you need to know about getting a refund on your losses if you have a gambling addiction or related mental health issue. So I think show her this and be like, listen, you have an addiction It needs treatment. It also needs to be identified so that we can try to get some of this money back. And if she loves him, she'll do it. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Telling Everybody Everything. I'm so excited to be back on tour. You can start getting tickets to my shows Friday, March 1st. They go on sale. I'm sure that the algorithms will advertise to you how to get those. If not, you can go on the Live Nation website. They are my wonderful tour promoters. And if you ever want to write me an email, you can send that to tellingeverybodyeverything at gmail.com. Please look after each other. I'll see you next week.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.